You guys ready? Um, we're jumping into a new sermon series this morning. Uh, speaking of prayer, we're calling it Pray Like This. Alright? So we see in Scripture where um, the disciples come to Jesus and they, they say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus teaches them how to pray. And so for the next few weeks leading up to uh, our fasting time, we're going to be looking at prayer. Now, I, I know that uh, if you've been in the church for any period of time, you go, oh, another sermon series on prayer. Oh no, uh, you know, like I know I'm supposed to pray, but then all these feelings of guilt come because we don't pray, we're not good. Anybody here just say, man, I just pray way too much. Anybody here just, yeah, none of us do that, right? And we all know we should pray more. Um, and when the pastor gets up and encourages us to pray, we, one, we're just like, oh, this isn't like fun and fancy and all sexy, and it's like, ah, we're just going to get through it. Um, and some of us feel this low-grade guilt. My encouragement to us, I don't know what this year is going to bring. I have no idea. And, you know, we, we thought like 2020 was going to be the year, right? 2020, it's all going to be amazing. There's two even digits, and it's going to be, yes, yeah, going to be the year of breakthrough. And then all this nonsense happened. And then we're like, all right, well, maybe when we turn the page, 2021, that's it. It's all going to be over. Our, the worst years are behind us. And then it was just like 2021 uh, told 2020, hold my beer kind of a thing, right? Um, and so now we find ourselves on the other end, 2022, and a, we're feeling a little like nobody jinx it, you know? Don't say anything. Just let sleeping dogs lie. I have no idea what's going to happen this year. We can plan. We can like make all these great aspirations. We can make the best New Year's resolutions. Here's the one thing that I would, as your pastor, man, if I could encourage us, if there could be like a notch in our belt, so to speak, if there's something that we could look back and when we get to the end of 2022 and say, what did we do well and what did God really help us in? It would be prayer. I mean, could you imagine if we said at the end of the year, man, we prayed our guts out. We became a church that was dependent on God. We didn't do things by our own strength and our own means and our own understanding. We sought God. And then not only was it just a few remnant in the church, not just the leaders who feel like, oh, I have to pray. It was the whole church that was engaged. This culture a prayer was poured out in the people. And we learned what it was to seek God. We learned what it was, the privilege it is, to beseech God and to call on Him and ask Him to come and meet us where we need Him. As Fernando encouraged us this morning, the water flows at the lowest places. And that's all we have. That's all we have as a church is our own abilities. And really, it's the lowest places. And God in His grace comes and He meets us in those low places. And He says, all right, I'm going to pour my grace out upon you. I'm going to pour out my mercy in and through you. And you're going you're to watch what I'm going to do in and through you as you seek me, as you begin to pray. So, let's not view prayer as, oh my gosh, this like uh, boring discipline. Let's, can I, my encouragement to you, let's view it as a privilege. I remember when I was in youth, uh, about two years ago, um, and I remember I was one of the youth leaders, and on Wednesday mornings, our church would pray at 6 a.m. Every Wednesday morning, that was youth prayer, 
And because I was a leader, I was expected to be at, at church Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. And I remember we had these pews, and I would sit in a pew, and I would just pretend like I was praying, and, I'd put, and then I'd get up, and there would be this big line on my forehead. But uh, one of the leaders, she would say, you don't have to pray. You get to pray. And uh, I, that stuck with me. And so can we be a church that views prayer as a privilege? Amen? All right. Let's get into it this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be kind of moving all around this morning. Uh, but I, I just want to, uh, why don't you turn to the book of Luke? Um, I want us to, as followers of Jesus, people who call ourselves disciples, um, Christians, we have to see that prayer cannot be just an optional extra. Prayer is uh, not anything, our, our Christianity, our faith is not anything less than praying. And we pray because we see Jesus praying. Um, we're here this morning saying we want to make much of Jesus and we want to be people who follow Jesus. We want to be disciples of Jesus. And a disciple of Jesus does what Jesus did. And we see through all of Scripture that Jesus prayed. Now, if Jesus prayed, not only did Jesus pray as an example for us, but he prayed because he had to pray. Put that in your theology. And one, he was fully God, but he was fully man. And so you see often and very often Jesus prays. And I just want to give us some examples here of what we see in Scripture. Luke chapter 3, verse 21, it says this. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were open. Luke chapter 5, verse 16 says, but he would speaking of Jesus, would withdraw to a desolate place and he would pray. Luke 6, verse 12, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. We have the mountains just right behind us, right here. And not too far away, we could just drive for about 40 minutes north, head up, pray in the mountains just like Jesus did. Then we see that the writer of Hebrews talks about this rhythm of prayer what Jesus did. He says, in the days of his flesh, when Jesus was here on earth, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. So not only do we see like literal examples of Jesus praying, but even the writer of Hebrews points to Jesus as the example of praying in his life. And it speaks of how he would cry out to God and, and ask God and, 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 and pour out supplications. Uh, we, here we see in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. It's interesting to note that in all of the Gospels, the one time, the one time that the disciples ever come up to Jesus and ask him to do something, you would think it would be, you would think, you would see this over and over and over and over in the Gospels, but you don't. You only see one time in all of the Gospels that the disciples ask something of Jesus, and it's what? Teach us how to pray. Isn't that interesting? Teach us, out of all the things you've done. I mean, if it was me, I'd be like, Jesus, teach us how to get the money out of the fish like you did. That was a cool trick. 
Can you teach that to me? You know, or Jesus. Remember that one time when we were in the boat and like the wind was going crazy and the waves and we were all freaking out and you just stood up and said, hey, knock it off. Can you teach us that trick, right? Because that might come in handy. No, the one thing that the disciples, the followers of Jesus, the ones that say, you're our master, we'll be your disciples, you're our teacher, we'll be your students, is will you show us, will you teach us how to pray? Now, that should be our heart. That should be our prayer. And, and the thing is that often we view prayer as like, oh, a boring discipline, or we've got it like so mixed up in like Disney theology that we kind of like somehow believe if there's something uh, great within us that we can find the secret of, then we'll unlock it and that will like let us connect to this creator of the universe and then we'll find his power within ourselves and we'll be able to like start a mantra or some kind of like formula to prayer. We have all these kind of convoluted understanding what prayer is. And what we're going to do today is as Jesus shows his disciples how to pray, my encouragement to you is I want us to understand two things when it comes to prayer. One, the personal connection with God. Personal connection with God. And two, the formational aspect of prayer. The formational aspect of prayer. What do I mean by that is when we pray, there's something that we have to humble ourselves we have to submit ourselves to the truth of who God is. And when that truth of who God is bears on our soul, it changes us from the inside out, doesn't it? You ever spend some time with, with somebody who's like just powerful and dynamic and just really amazing and you, the, you rub, they rub off on you and, and something inside you uh, changes? Maybe a better illustration is if you're on a sports team and... Uh, you play a, a team that's terrible. Well, your skills as a team don't really need to stand out, do they? And it's an easy win. But when you play another sports team who's better than you, better defense, better offense, has more big names on the team, well, your team's got to go, whoa, we got to change. We got to step it up. And I'm not talking about prayer as like trying to compete, but I'm saying in the sense of when you get in the presence of God, something inside of you changes. You can't remain the same. And so I want us as a church to leave behind maybe some old school, unhelpful, maybe the world has got into your understanding, Disney theology, whatever you want to call it, has got into your understanding what prayer is. And I want us to understand, one, that prayer is personal, and two, it needs to be formational, okay? So here's what we're going to do. Uh, turn, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read what many have traditionally called, traditionally called the Lord's Prayer, um, I would suggest it's not really the Lord's Prayer. It's actually the disciples' prayer. Because the disciples go up to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? And Jesus says, all right, if you want to learn how to pray, pray like this. This is how a disciple prays. And this is what Jesus says. Our Father, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13, pray like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Some of you might be a little shocked to see that um, it doesn't say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Our friend King James added that to the Bible and became a good tradition, but it's not actually in Scripture. And so we're just going to read what Scripture says, all right? (laughs) Everybody okay with that? All right, all right. So, we could go through this whole prayer and pick out every single specific thing about how Jesus teaches them to pray. There's just a few things that I want us to focus on this morning as we put on the lenses of prayer being personal and prayer being formational, okay? And the first one is, the obvious one is, but that Jesus says, what's the first thing that he tells the disciples how to pray? Anybody know? What's the first thing he says? He says, address God as Father. Our Father. Now, here's the personal side of this. Many times what we do is we often come to, to, come to God in prayer uh, either like a cosmic Santa Claus, right? And we view prayer as a list of things that we have to bring to the attention of the Creator of the universe as somehow He has forgotten about our lives, as somehow He doesn't know what's going on in our lives, and so therefore we come with a long laundry list of things just in case you forgot God. Here's the things that are weighing heavy on my mind. Or what we do is we just view prayer as a, as a means to an end to get something. Now, I'm not suggesting that we don't pray and we don't ask, but I am saying here that the first thing that Jesus tells his disciples how to pray is this personal understanding of who we're praying to. He says, when you pray, when you address the Creator of the universe, the one who spoke, and then all of a sudden there was nothing, and then there was something. The one who said with the word, let there be light. The one who said, let there be seas, let there be land, let there be fish and birds and creatures and man and woman, and let's subdue the earth and the volcanoes, all these things. Boom, they exist. When you pray to that person, don't beseech them as this far, aloof, totally don't want to have anything to do with you kind of relationship, address them as Father. What a privilege that you and I have to be able to have direct access to a Father. God, the Creator, the One who gives us the very breath to pray, the One who gives us mental faculties be able to even think and to be able to even cry out and to be able to ask is the one who says, I want you to call on me and not just call on me as any other uh, kind of deity, but I want you to call on me as Father. What a privilege. Now, is that your understanding of prayer? Is that your understanding of prayer? Do you normally go to God as Father? Or do you, I don't often go to him as father. I might say father out of my Christian, my Christian kind of Christianese, you know, in church. We say a lot of words. And if, if we were to get people up here to pray, you would hear a lot of people say the word father because that's what we say. But if it's not going from here to here and to actually be this revelation that we are speaking to our father, then we have missed the point of prayer, friends. 
Because what Jesus is trying to instruct us, what he's trying to encourage us in, is that this beautiful thing, this privilege that you and I have, this ability to be able to pray, is to a person. (laughs) It's not some weird nebulous deity floating out in the, the cosmic space somewhere and hopefully it hears us. No. We are speaking directly to God. This is what Paul Miller says about prayer. He says, uh, prayer is simply the medium we experience and connect with God. Tim Keller says, prayer is both conversation and encounter with God. When's the last time that you prayed expecting an encounter with God? When's the last time when you had your understanding of what prayer is that you had an expectation that you were going to meet with the creator of the universe? Or was it just some blah, 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 blah. I did my duty, my, my checklist kind of a thing. Hopefully you heard, you know, the big guy in the sky. Or was, this under, was there an understanding that you are connecting with the creator of the universe? Ask yourself this question this morning. If you are regularly connecting with God, the creator of the universe, would your life be any different? Would it? Mine probably would. If I was intentionally pursuing God in relationship with Him through prayer, the way I talk, the way I believe, my actions, the way I think, it would probably be different, wouldn't it? How couldn't it be? How couldn't it be? I mean, it's so weird, isn't it, that we kind of treat our relationships differently than we do with God. And I get that God's different, right? He's not just a human, just like you and me. He's God. But somehow there needs to be this familiarity with God, this boldness to be able to just talk to Him. That's all prayer is, is talking to God. That's all prayer is, is being present to God. And I think The problem isn't that God's not present to us. The problem is that we are not present to God. We don't treat any other relationship like this, do we? Could you imagine if Marianne and I, if I treated Marianne the way I treat God in my relationship with God, if it was all weird and formal, and I never expect for Marianne ever to talk to me? If I was just like, every day I wake up and go, hello Marianne, well here's a bunch of things that I hope I can get accomplished today. And Marianne, I just want you to know Marianne, like I would say her name often and weird. And oh, by the way, Marianne, my wife, like I dress her as weird. Like I just, uh, I have this to do today, Marianne, my wife. And Marianne, my wife, I have this to do today. And I hope, Marianne, my wife, that you somehow um, are listening, Marianne, my wife. Thank you, amen, goodbye. And then I walked away. And she'd be like, that's weird. Yet somehow, we treat God like this. Uh, dear Father in heaven, uh, thank you for all these things, blah, 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 this is my day, I'm, you know, I'm going to do 90% of it, trust you with maybe 10% of it today, Father, and then this is going to happen, and then I'll go to bed and do the same thing next morning, and God's like, ah, uh. okay, you know, we don't treat anybody else like this. Paul Miller continues, and he says this about prayer. <clears throat> Many people struggle in prayer because they focus on praying and not on God. Many people focus, uh, struggle in prayer because we focus on praying instead of focusing on God. 
Now, some of you might be freaking out and go, well, no, 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 there needs to be prayer, and we, it needs to be formal, and no, there's a structure to it. Yes, absolutely, we see that here with Jesus instructing the disciples on how to pray. But Jesus was never saying, address God in some weird and formal and formulaic way. He's saying, when you come to God, when you come to the Creator of the universe, address Him as Father. What's a father? A father is somebody who wants to spend time with his children. A father is somebody who has good gifts for his kids. A father is like somebody who wants to put his arms around his children and, and tell them how much he loves them and tell them how, how proud of them he is and tell them how he wants to encourage them and say, hey, you know, don't get your eyes on all this stuff that doesn't matter. I want to remind you of who you are in me. That's a father. Do we pray like that to the father? Do we pray personally to the father? Or do we get caught up in some weird mantras, formulaic thing? This is before Jesus uh, teaches them how to pray. He says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 through 8. He says, when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the, as the Gentiles do. Um, he says, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask. You ever been in like a prayer meeting and like the, the pastor or the leader gets up and he says this really fancy prayer, right? And then you're kind of like intimidated and you're like, whoa, there's a... A lot of big words in that prayer. I'm not even sure I understand what penal substitutionary atonement means. Uh, but that sounds like a really good prayer. God's not impressed with any of that stuff. You may not have, you may not read, never have read your Bible. I'm not suggesting that. You may have be so new to Christian faith and you don't know any of the Christian things to say. Guess what? God doesn't give a rip about any of that stuff. He doesn't care one bit about how good you sound. You know what God cares about when you pray? Is that you want to hear His voice and you want to connect with Him and that you're being honest. I'm not going through puberty. It's just getting over a cold. That's all He cares about. If you're, if you're a parent and your kids come up to you, do you want them to act all weird and say a bunch of weird, formal things? No. When my kids want something, they say, Dad, could we go get Chick-fil-A today? I'm like, yes. And then we reminded, it's Sunday. No, we can't. <laughs> Dad, can we do this? Dad, can we do this? Hey, Dad, will you tell me about this? Well, you didn't use the word father, you know? So, sorry. No. A bunch of fancy stuff. It's not weird. It doesn't have to be like all religious. Just come to God and say, God, good morning. Thank you for the, the sunshine today. Man, I love the way it feels on my face, God, when I stand out there and it's like, oh, it's just soaking it in. That's all because of your goodness. Thank you for that, God. And God's like, yes, it is. I love you so much. I want you to feel the vitamin D protecting you against the COVID. I made a way. Don't freak out. It's going to be all right. And then, and then you're like, God, there's some stuff that's on my heart today. 
Father, I know you already know these things, but you want me for some reason to ask it because I think you enjoy the fact that I'm coming to you. So Lord, here's the things that are on my heart. And it, I'm probably not going to say them right, but you know, I'm, I'm worried about my kids and, and these kind of things. Lord, will you protect my kids as they drive today? I know you will, but Lord, I'm just, I'm just saying this because I want to connect with you and I know you are honored when I put my hope in you. And so God, today, protect my kids, right? As Sam drives to work in this little skadonky car, <laughs> little bald tires driving too fast, Lord, will you protect him today? <laughs> Not only is our prayer meant to be personal, and we're connecting with a person who is God, but it's also meant to be formational. And so what we see is Jesus say, okay, when you pray, guys, you ask me how to pray, when you pray, address God as Father, and that's going to let you know where you stand and how you come and how you speak. And a Father, you, 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 you honor and you're being reverent, but you also have a relationship with, so it doesn't need to be weird. But let's take that a little bit further here now. Let's, let's double-click double on that. And so not only is it just me and God, but it's also formational. There's something, that, an exchange needs to happen here that is going to change you from the inside out. And so here's some helpful things. Peter, James, John, you guys, when, when you're wanting to pray, this is what you say. You say, our Father. And then you don't let it end there. You say, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Now, we don't use that word hallowed today. We don't. That's not a, like, not a word that you and I, we might not even know what it means. But it means this, it means to honor. It means to praise. It means to lift up the name of our Father. And this is such a, a pivotal point of prayer because it's not as somehow that God needs us to do this. Jesus isn't like the Son and the Father and the Holy Spirit got together and said, all right, guys, what, what's the plan when it comes to prayer? Well, I'm feeling a little insecure about myself today. You know, the Father says to the Son, so, so when you tell your disciples to pray, can you make them say a bunch of good stuff about me? And then Jesus is like, oh yeah, sure, no problem. I'll make sure that if you're having a bad day, you know, like, we'll remind you again of the truths of who you are. That's not what's happening here. It's not as like God is some egotistical, needs to be puffed up. What Jesus is teaching the disciples is like, when you come to the Father, hallow his name, because the truths of who God is will remind you of who he is and will start to lift up your faith, will start to lift up your heart, will start to remind you of the truth of who God is, because what we do is we get into this deception of that we're amazing, that somehow we have the goods. Remember how I was saying, like, God, I'll do 90%, but I really need you to come into that 10% today. And then that, that's just some kind of understanding that is, God's kind of given us the goods, he's given us 90% grace, kind of figure it out on our own, but the 10% we rely on him, no. What Jesus is saying, you come to the Father, but you also hallow his name, which is you remind yourself of the truth of who God is because we forget. See, my own heart condemns me. First John tells us this. Our hearts condemn us, but God is greater than our own condemning hearts. And so when I come to the Father, 
sometimes I feel really bold in coming to God. And it's usually because I feel like, man, I've knocked it out of the park this week spiritually. I've done all the good stuff and none of the bad stuff. And so I'm going to come to God and I'm going to ask Him for everything I want and I know He's going to hear me. And I'm not going to like be all timid and with my tail between my legs because I've had a really good morally week. But that's not always the truth. Sometimes I come to God and my heart condemns me and goes, you hypocrite. You joker. Who do you think you are that you could come and speak to God? Look at all this stuff you did. Think about all the things you thought about. You know you don't deserve it. Jesus says, when you go to prayer, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then I shift from my own condemning heart. I shift from either I think I'm a worm or I think I'm amazing. And what I begin to do is in prayer, I start to say, God, you are. God, you are the creator of the universe. God, you are the all-sufficient one. God, you are the, you're the beautiful one. You're the one that there is no end to grace. See, when I start to say things like this, it shifts my heart from my own guilt or my own arrogance, and it puts the greatness not on myself, it puts it on the truth of who God is. And so it, we don't say prayers like, God, you're amazing, because he's insecure, and he's like, well, shucks, thanks a lot. We pray prayers, God, you're amazing, because it begins to envelop in our heart. It begins to enlarge our heart. It begins to increase our faith for who we are in the truth and in the light of who God is. Yeah. So, if you want to know how to pray, pray like a disciple. This is what Jesus says. Hey, when you pray, pray to, pray to the person who's hearing you who's your father, and start to pray the truth about who God is. You ever, you ever find yourself in a place where you're feeling faithless? And as you begin to pray the truth of who God is, faith begins to build in your heart. You ever find that? Or we, we were just doing it this morning. It felt like there was this little moment this morning where we were praying in the back room, and it was like, okay, we're praying, we're praying. And then all of a sudden, we started praying more truths about who God was, and you could feel the faith rise in our hearts. Yeah, you know what? This week hasn't been amazing, or this and this and this, but God has not changed. My circumstances have changed, but God has not changed. God is still on the throne, and He'll be on the throne tomorrow and no matter what 2022 brings and 2023 and so on and so on i'm going to pray and i'm going to hallow the name of god because he is unchanging and no matter what happens this year i can rest in this knowing that god is for me that god has made a way for me that god has called me that my position in god will not change because of what jesus has done and that can never be taken away from me so therefore god i will have Follow your wonderful, your beautiful name. Here's the thing. There is, there's, you could never run out of stuff to talk about who God is. Sometimes we, you know, our minds wander and we go, all right, God, I'm going like, to come to you as Father. Thank you that you're Father. And now, now I'm going to start hallowing your name. You know? It's like, okay, God, you're, uh, 
you're, uh, you're cool, you know. And then, like, or we start thinking about popcorn. It's like, wait, no, 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 not popcorn. No, I mean, just open up Scripture and, and start looking at the truths of who God is. And you could, we, could, we could begin prayer. We could probably never get to the end of hallowing the name of God because God is, He's all of who He is all of the time. Infinite. And it'll never change. And the moment we move on to the next attribute of who God is, thanking Him for the truth of His character, will there be another truth of who He is? You see, you see the angels that are doing it right now. They're saying, what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Elders around His throne. The, 20, the 24 elders, the, the angels, myriads and myriads of angels, and they're saying, holy, 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 throwing crowns down, worshiping, and they never cease saying, holy, holy, holy. Because God is holy. He's other than us. He's transcendent. He's lofty. He's big. He's grand. He's infinite. He's eternal. So on and so on. How are you guys doing? All right. So, last thing, we'll be done. Not only do we call Him Father, not only do we hallow His name, but I want to end with how Jesus tells us to pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done. Now, for those of you who are feeling a little agitated, we're not getting through the rest of the prayer. I get that. Hold on. We may get through the the next couple weeks. But today, I want us to understand again the personal understanding and the formational understanding of prayer. And so Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, what this does is it shifts our understanding that prayer is a means to an end. See, what we do often is we think, okay, i got to pray because that's a Christian and disciple thing to do is to pray. And actually, I feel better about my Christian walk and my faith when I pray. And so therefore, I'm going to pray as a means and end because somehow I need God to hear me and ask for the stuff. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is us spending time with God. And in the formational aspect of us saying, your kingdom come, your will be done, it's us coming under submission and saying, God, I acknowledge you and your ways and not me in my ways. It's me saying, these, these are the things on my heart. These are the things I really desire. These are the things, they're not even spiritual, right? That's okay. That's okay. God loves us. He loves us coming in. But I'm just being honest, God, I would really like this and, and these things and, and you know, my heart desires this and I need this and I, I need you to change me from this. All of those things, but they have to be under the umbrella and the submission of thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Because what we do as followers of Jesus is to do whatever God says and we know ultimately that God's will is perfect and holy and righteous and ours is jumbled up full of our own weird desires and all these things. And so as we come to God, what we say is, Lord, you can see all of what's going on in here and in here. You see it all. And you see all the good and the bad. And what I'm going to do, Lord, in this moment is I'm going to take it all, the best that I can think of how to do I'm just going to lay it at your feet right now, God. I'm going to say, with all of my desires, 
will you just let your kingdom come? And Lord, will you let your will be done today in my life? Will you, will you take like the things I think are good, the things I think that you would want to say yes to, but I'm going to, again, I'm going to submit that to you, God. And I'm going to ask God that you would be glorified in these things. I'm going to ask God that your will would happen in these things that I really desire. And Lord, I'm just going to be honest, these are things that I don't desire. I don't, you know, there's some things I just want selfishness, but again, I'm going to lay that down at your feet right now. And God, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pray a, a scary prayer right now, God. I'm going to ask God that even in the things I don't want that I know I should, I'm going to ask God that your kingdom would come and I'm going to ask God that your will would be done in these things. Why can we pray prayers like that? Because we could trust God. And not just because the Bible says we could trust Him. We could trust God because He's trustworthy. And we could trust God because He is good. He's good. You know, you've heard me say this over and over and over and probably to a nauseam. But do you trust God with the consequences of being fully obedient to Him? Those are scary prayers to pray, God. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Why is that scary? Because sometimes our hearts don't align with God's will, does it? I want to have a bank account that says X, Y, and Z at the end of the day. And God might say, that's not my will for you. And you're like, hey. I want certain things to happen, and God might say, that's not the grace I've afforded for you. I've afforded for you to maybe suffer a little bit in this area. <laughs> okay? And God says, but guess what? My will is perfect for you. And when you surrender your life to my will, that's where, that's where purpose comes. That's where fulfillment comes. That's where joy is found is when we start walking and, 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 and moving in the will of God and not our own. And so Jesus knows our own hearts. He knows the hearts of the disciples. And that's why he reminds them, come to God as a father. Lift up his name because it's not just good for him, it's good for you. And then pray His kingdom come. His will, not yours, because yours is imperfect. Yours is all messed up with a bunch of weird stuff. But God's is righteous. It's always good. It's always going to be the best. Does the best mean you're always going to have Tootsie Pops from heaven? No, it means you are going to be in the center of the will of God for your life, which you as a disciple are meant to live in, and that's where you will find purpose. That's where you will find fulfillment. That's where you will find 100% security is living in the perfect will of God, even though circumstantially it may not be exactly what you want. And Jesus tells the disciples, Live there continually, daily. Come back to God as your Father and say, Lord, I surrender because my heart doesn't want to. I surrender to a good Father. What kind of you being good parents, you being good fathers, what kind of parent would you be if your kid came up to you and said, Dad, can I have a fish? And you gave him a serpent. No, you wouldn't do that. How much more does your Father in heaven, does Jesus say, 
want to give you good gifts when you ask. He wants to. He wants to bless you. He's going to bless you with His will. What is the better gift than that? I don't know. Nothing. My encouragement to us, we're going to go two more weeks talking about prayer, and then we're going to end with a fast. And is, man, can we become prayers? Can we become people who go to God before we go to aspirin? Aspirin's like awesome, isn't it? Thank God for Tylenol and Advil and all those things, right? Thank God for doctors and nurses and the medical system. Thank God for financial systems and all. But can we be a people who go, God, my first and foremost is to you. Can, can we be a people who pray? Can people go, man, Southlands, Chino, what the heck? Those people know how to pray. Per, and I say, pray, not pray. It's pray. Can we be kind of people who are like, dang, they pray. When there's a prayer meeting, they pray. You got to like tell them it's time to go home. Why? Because they have this revelation that it's a privilege to meet together with the creator of the universe and call out to him because why? He hears them. They have this revelation. They get it. They pray. Lord, let fresh wind, let fresh fire be poured out in this church in prayer. Will you stand with me this morning?